up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? Hi, I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Thank you, thank you, thank you for returning and joining me again for another Friday episode. And if it's Friday, that means that we are continuing our watch party lead up to uh, Avengers Endgame. This week, we will talk about uh, the first Avengers movie. So we are moving right along. We are at the first big old hangout meetup with all the characters. And boy, was it a fun one. So um, again, I won't frame by frame it the way I did the uh, the, the Joker cartoon uh, the other day. But I will tell you some of the uh, some of the stats, some of the big news for that particular movie um before we get into the movie i'm making a little change to the flow of the show i'm going to put all the business and other things on the back end because if it's a new listener they are not invested enough to hear all that banter and all of that me begging for subscriptions and uh reviews hopefully they like the content long enough to hang out and uh and hear it (laughs) and get used to it but until then i will put that at the back end of the episodes uh going forward where at least i'm gonna try if i don't do it remind me we got a little news this week just a little bit of stuff to uh to talk about because we have three uh series returning for new seasons really really soon right on top of us right here now and the first one is uh It's not really a new season for Short Treks. We've got a new episode of uh, Star Trek Short Treks. And this one is called The Escape Artist. It's going to star Rain Wilson. And if you watched the first season of Discovery, you know Rain Wilson was uh, featured as Harry Mudd in a couple of episodes. And if you're a fan of uh, the original series, you remember that Harry Mudd was like a... uh, uh, intergalactic con man so and he uh he ran game on uh kirk spock and mccoy and and the rest of the enterprise crew on two separate episodes in uh in the original series and so much so that there was actually consideration of giving harry mudd his own series and of course uh, for some reason that got shelved and uh, they never returned to it But when Discovery was revamped because uh, the story is set 10 years prior to the adventures of uh, the original Enterprise, they were able to bring Harry Mudd's character out and uh, blow a little dust off of it and use it in the Discovery episodes. And uh, those two episodes that he was in, I must say, Rain Wilson was very impressive in those episodes and uh i really liked his character so this next short trek will be featuring uh harry mudd back to his old tricks of stealing and double dealing he finds himself in a precarious position aboard a hostile ship just in time to try out his latest con so this uh, lady latest minnesota is going to start is going to be uh airing on january 3rd 
So uh, keep your eyes open for the latest short trek. And of course, you will get a little short snap to coincide with this short trek. Um, just to give you a little feel and know, because I did say I was going to do the IMDb ratings for TV shows. Right now for the short treks, and there were there, this is the fourth one, so there were only four. And we're at the fourth one, so it's the last one in the Short Trek uh, series. On IMDb, that was those uh, Short Treks were rated 6.7 out of 10. Not perfect, right around, hovering around that 7. But I enjoyed uh, the Short Treks. I think the first one was uh, the one that fell a little flat to me. It wasn't... It wasn't an, a bad episode at all, but it was one that left far more questions than it gave answers. And of course, these short treks are designed to be just a little appetizer. The main course is Discovery. So they're coming in at right around 17, 15 to 17 minutes long. So not an awful lot of time to try to uh, tell a deep story. But I still felt just a little empty after the first one. Um, the the last two that I've watched have um, tied things up a little more nicely by the end of the episode. And I can't wait to see what Rain Wilson does with the escape artist. And then the next show is one that I've been talking about. It'll be airing on uh, DC Universe and it starts on January Fourth, that is Young Justice Outsiders. So, and I'm reading these uh, synopsis. The first one I read was from uh, IMDb. The second one, there was not a season two synopsis for Young Justice Outsiders. So, I am reading one that I found on Geek Tyrant. So, shout out to Geek Tyrant for this synopsis. Um, in Young Justice Outsiders. The teenage superheroes of the DC Universe come of age in an animated world of superpowers, supervillains, and super secrets. In the highly anticipated new season, the team faces its greatest challenge yet as it takes on metahuman trafficking and the terrifying threat it creates for a society caught in the crossfire of a genetic arms race spanning the globe and the galaxy. Um, this show was equally praised by critics and viewers for its impressive visuals and rich storytelling. Young Justice reached more than 25 million unique viewers in each of its two seasons on Cartoon Network. And this passionate fan support set the stage for this third season. Uh, some of the heroes that we will be seeing in season two will be Aqualad, Nightwing, Wonder Girl, Blue Beetle, Arrowette, Spoiler, Cassandra Kane, and many, many others. And I know that I have uh, already spoken very highly of the Young Justice uh, brand cartoons. The first two seasons that aired way back, I believe in 2010, there was only two seasons. And then for whatever reason, Cartoon Network pulled the plug on it. But it was a very popular show. And again, where they say that this, there, there's rich storytelling, 
It really is. The storytelling is very, very complex. So you know that the, the show is sort of aimed at teenagers. And I sometimes gravitate towards these shows because it, it is a little less uh, heavy than some of the shows that are, are uh, aimed for my demographic. Sometimes I just want to take it light. I mean, and without getting too political, there's enough drama happening in the real world. Sometimes you just want to pull the plug and, and just just veg out on something that still gives you something to think about, but doesn't put the pressure of real world situations on your mind for just that one hour. This uh, animated series from DC is an excellent way to have uh, done that. And I, I think that I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to the uh, new season because one thing that this this group of uh, animators and the producers of the show and all of that the writers they have they don't keep those kids the same age every season they grow a little bit more and um this being the third season i would like to see the grow up that occurred between the second and the third season because they generally have done an excellent job at giving the character a little more layers um, one year later. You know, they, they don't keep them kids forever. And the um, IMDb rating for Young Justice was 8.7 out of 10. So that's very highly regarded. It is, uh, that was pretty close to 9 out of 10. So our last show that will be, uh, that, that I'm talking about anyway, I mean, I'm sure you listen to a different podcast and you'll hear some different shows, but the shows, these are just the shows that I'm excited about. And I'm going to talk about on uh, future podcasts, future episodes. And if you want to join me in watching them and, uh, and be able to, uh, follow along when I'm talking about them, that's great because honestly, there has been some good sci-fi uh, on television over the last couple of years. And I, I did an episode where I gave you, uh, two or three sci-fi reasons to watch every, uh, one of the streaming platforms. I'm not going to do that one again today, but these three shows are worth your watch. And the last one is the Orville, an exploratory ship faces intergalactic challenges 400 years in the future. And if you're saying to yourself, that sounds, that sounds a little familiar, it should. Because this show borrows heavily from the uh, next generation version of Star Trek. And that's not to say that it's blatant plagiarism, but the feel of the Orville makes you, uh, puts you in that place of, of the next generation. Except... It's intentionally funny because we have uh, Seth MacFarlane is the showrunner. So, of course, it's, it's intentionally funny. You get a little bit of that family guy, American dad humor in a live action show. And it's reminiscent of uh, Star Trek. So there's a lot of reasons to watch the Orville. And the, the episodes were, uh, were not just mindless 
banter, like kind of like what we'd get when we watch an animated uh, Family Guy. Or if the the episodes were deep and there were funny moments in them. So I think people, if you've not tried to watch the Orville, I think that it would be a good idea. It's, it's a it's a pretty good uh, series. And again, I will be talking more as, in future episodes as the seasons go on. So um, here's another thing I wanted to share. I listened to a channel called Emergency Awesome on YouTube. Emergency Awesome put out a video the other day. And that video was the top 10 WTF moments from Aquaman. Now, he wasn't very hard on the movie. But those 10 moments were, I would say, at least eight of his WTF moments were different from the WTF moments that I put in my last episode of the Aquaman episode. So it's just showing that if you're going into the movies and you're going in there with the mindset that you are going to pick this movie apart, you can pick a movie apart. And I picked it apart and then he comes up with 10 other things or 10 other ways to uh, pick it apart. So again, it's, it's, it's all in the person who's watching the movie, but God dang, we got 20 different ways that this movie is, you know, has some, some, some moments in it. And, um, those are the things that, that kind of get under my skin because we, I feel like there's enough time to close up a lot of plot holes between the, the start of production and the end of production. I know there's it's almost impossible to get all of the plot holes sealed off from uh, from Cadmus agents like myself. However, you should be able to get most of them. And, and yet still, we are still uh, seeing videos and, and hearing commentary about ways that things that just didn't make sense in Aquaman. So you, you don't have to agree. It, it, it was just another thing I wanted to bring up because it's not just me. I don't feel as bad anymore because it's not just me. And just to be uh, completely 100% fair about it, I am going to put a post on the Facebook page and tell and, and put, you know, tell me what you liked about the movie. Tell me what you disliked. Now, we've already got a, a thread kind of going. It's, it's going underneath uh, where I actually embedded the uh, actual episode of uh, Aquaman and other musings. So that episode is embedded on the Facebook page. And the thread underneath there is crazy because... There are people just posting things that just got under their skin. So if you have a time, you have time to go to the Facebook page, go over there, check out that thread. If not, uh, I'm going to do a whole separate thread about this. And then since next week, Tuesday's episode is going to be a year in review, I will donate or I will uh, set aside a little time to go over that thread. How about that? I'm not certain that I gave the uh, the rating, the IMDb rating for, rating for Orville, the Orville. 
And that one is rated 7.9 out of 10. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is going to close up this opening segment. So today we go to the movie that uh, started it all, besides Aquaman. I mean, this, the, the movie, the team-up movies, is what we were all sitting on the edge of our seats for. So today we are taking on uh, Avengers, which was released in uh, 2000. 12 may 4th 2012 here in the states as a matter of fact it is the sixth film in the mcu avengers had a budget of 220 million dollars and guess how much it grossed on that budget i'll wait it grossed 1.52 billion dollars on that $220 million budget, at the time, it was the third highest grossing film. There have been some uh, some changes to that here in the last, say, uh, few years. But nevertheless, this will always, at that moment, it was number three. It made the most money behind, I believe, Titanic. I want to say Avatar. Could be wrong. Don't shoot me. Let me know um, in through an email or in the comments or something if I got that little piece of trivia wrong. But I think that's where we were with it. Uh, Avengers and uh, not Avengers. It was Avatar and Titanic. On Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 92%, which is let's say it together, which is certified fresh. And on Metacritic, it got a 69. This movie was a huge payday for our friend Robert Downey Jr. It is said, or it is estimated, that he made $50 million after everything was factored in. All of his incentives and bonuses plus his salary, $50 million for this movie. Robert Downey Jr. got filthy stinking rich off of one movie (laughs) and and i'm not mad at him so this is the fifth disney distributed film 12th overall to earn more than a billion dollars and it reached it in 19 days the first for marvel so marvel had never seen a billion dollar movie of course we we've talked about how much money the movies uh prior to this have have uh made yeah, Marvel never had seen a billion dollar uh, movie until this point. So uh, it was this movie was directed by Joss, Joss Whedon. If you remember uh, Joss Whedon from, I want to say, uh, Charmed and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I believe all of those were under the Whedon umbrella. But another thing that is attributed attributed to uh joss whedon here lately is tampering with the Zack snyder cut of the justice league movies so there is a camp of dc fans that says you know what the movie was only watchable because joss whedon saved it and then there's another camp of fans who said joss whedon destroyed Zack snyder's movie and uh so you have that battle but hey, he did great for the Avengers, right? <laughs> so 
so um and and i'm i'm not sure i think that i after hearing some of the things that was cut out of uh the snyder cut of the justice league movie i would like to see the snyder cut i am team Zack snyder in this argument however that's a conversation for another day and another time we're talking uh and of course this movie was uh produced by paramount distributed by disney um, a year after Paramount and Disney struck the marketing and distribution deal that handed the reins to Disney, uh, Paramount had one last little trick. They were smart enough to uh, make part of the deal that they got uh, 8% of the box office for Avengers and that it was uh, labeled that they produced this movie. Um, Disney just wanted to get it done. This is one movie and Disney is playing the long game and Paramount was like, well, shit, we going to take one more payday before we get out the door. And uh, very smart business move on Paramount's part. Um, this is the first time we saw Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, Hulk. And uh, many critics favored his portrayal over his predecessors. And his predecessors would be Eric Bana, he was in the uh, Ang Lee version of uh, the Hulk. And then we had the uh, Edward, Nor Edward Norton version of the Hulk in the uh, first MCU movie. So, uh, to me, do, do I think that Mark Ruffalo is the best Hulk of those three? Yes. And the reason why is because uh, the 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 Banner character was usually an, an awkward kind of unassuming guy. You wouldn't think, dang, this guy could just turn into an eight foot freak and just start going crazy. He was very very nerdishly awkward, and I think Mark Ruffalo is playing nerdishly awkward very well in in these movies, especially the first one. Um, if you didn't know that he was the Hulk, you wouldn't assume that he was the Hulk. You know, you would pick somebody else up out of that crowd to say that's who will turn into an eight foot rage monster. Not not uh, Mark Ruffalo's uh, Bruce Banner. And that is what I think he captured very well in his portrayal of the Hulk. Mark Ruffalo claims to be the only actor to date to play both the Hulk and Bruce Banner in the same movie. Uh, technically, Eric Bana and Edward Norton had done uh, motion capture work for their respective Hulks, but um, Mark Ruffalo is the first actor to perform the, the Hulk live on set via performance capture. And what is mostly certainly uh, confirmed uh, first for M Ruffalo's Hulk is that he, uh, he had clearly defined chest hair <laughs> and that has never been done before in any portrayal of the hulk whether it was live animated or drawn so chest hair is all he is <laughs> um this movie was uh loki's loki stole the show and um He's just the God we love to hate. Just sneaky, manipulative, motivated by jealousy and spiritual desolation. 
Tom Hiddleston himself said that, um, that he is motivated by jealousy and spiritual desolation. So those, those words weren't mine. Those were Tom Hiddleston's. The rest of it was all me. And I say he stole the show because we saw Loki as a different kind of villain. He, he played a, a, not the same type of villain that was driven simply to because of, he, of his jealousy of uh, Thor ascending to the throne. So that's sibling rivalry. We can almost understand, even though he took sibling rivalry to an extreme, we saw Loki learn that he was really a frost giant uh now he feels alienated from the family that he grew up in he's been cast out where he felt cast out because he knew that if he would have gone home with his dad and his brother at the end of thor they would have just locked his ass up so he's thinking to himself he's better off just killing himself except for he didn't die (laughs) and um but what we're seeing now is a worldwide loki he's been away from asgard from for some time He's no longer simply motivated to ascend to the throne of Asgard. He wants to prove that he could be uh, a what they consider a benevolent God, but he's going to take it by wrath. He wants the adoration of the people of Earth. He wants to rule over the people of Earth. Um, And he says that he would do it in a benevolent and peaceful way, but his tactics for trying to get there are belaying something entirely different. I liked the fact that as far as the movie is concerned, it was a great team up. It, uh, it gave each main character an opportunity to shine. Wasn't a group hug right from the beginning. Uh, the team had to learn to work together. So when we saw, um, the narcissist and the slight egomaniac face off. That's uh, Tony Stark facing off against Thor over who is going to take uh, control, basically, of Loki, who is going to be responsible f- for detaining Loki. They got to banging. Then you see that, that Cap was the voice of reason for all of, uh, between all of this and that created an awesome scene and uh put the hammer down well no 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 don't tell him to put the hammer down (laughs) and he put the hammer down and knocked down half a forest with it so things like that uh there was levity added into it but it also let you know that in this whole situation in in the whole scenario of these heroes coming together to work together as a team, we saw that uh, Cap was going to be the voice of reason, going to be the leader. And you recognize that uh, right off the bat from this particular scene. I also liked the scene where Loki uh, was was in the cage and uh, he was interacting with Natasha Romanoff. And she played that she played that damsel in distress, that weepy, cry, hurt woman role, and he bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And it it tells me that uh, Loki, who is for all intents and purposes on Earth, is a god. 
he has been around for at least a thousand years. Think about that. He's at least 1,000 years old because uh, Thor confirmed that he's 1,500 years old in, uh, in Infinity War. So he's been around for at least a thousand years. She was able, and he's seen a lot. And she was able to pull the wool over his eyes. And uh, that should tell you that she is an experienced spy, manipulator. Uh, she's going to get the information, point blank, period. However she has to get it, she's going to get it because she plays mind games on a God level. And I thought that was really uh, a good way to to show just how good Natasha was at what she does. Also, uh, another scene that I liked, of course, uh, anything with Samuel L. Jackson interacting with Loki when, uh, when, when the, uh, the whole ant boot, that line, that, that whole segment, I completely enjoy. I just, I just enjoy Samuel L. Jackson's take on the role of Nick Fury. Because he he has uh, the entire affect of a super spy who pretty much has something on everybody in the room. The only person in the room that was that he had nothing on right away was Loki. You can best believe that he gathered up enough intel to have a, a folder on him too. So he's got a dossier on everybody. You're not getting past Nick Fury. And uh, it was a good. It's good to see. It's good to see him exercising the the chops that is necessary to play a role as a basically babysitter to a bunch of superheroes. Um, when we saw Hulk or Banner Hulk out after uh, Hawkeye and the the rest of the uh, brainwashed team of agents came over on the helicarrier um when we first saw him hulk out that was actually a horrific moment in the movie like when they talk about wanting hulk to have been like a monster movie the first that that uh the incredible hulk movie they wanted it to be a monster movie and i can actually you know see a little bit more how freaking scary that could be this is somebody you were just talking to and regularly talking to he gets hurt and then you watch him with uh, uh natasha was pinned down for a moment she watched him transform into this beast and then the beast when she finally gets herself unpinned the beast gives chase I was actually scared with her. I was like, when he catches her, what is the plan? Is he going to just rip her apart? Is he going to slam her around? What is he, what is Hulk's plan when he, uh, when he catches up to her? But another thing I noticed about Hulk in this movie, and I talk about the, uh, the evolution of Hulk. Um, in the first movie, you know, he was able to put together little baby sentences. And uh, in this movie, he was able to say like maybe short phrases. But when Banner said at the end of the movie 
or towards the end the secret is i'm always angry he could change to hulk pretty much on command i i got to thinking to myself you know um i understand why hulk has an issue with banner banner is is using him He's using him. If you can command him to come out, you know he's childlike. You know he has his Hulk's thoughts hadn't processed enough for him to make long, kind of coherent sentences. He was still talking that kind of baby talk in uh, Avengers. So you know that he is uh, kind of slow. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. He's kind of slow. He's a kid in the brain. And you, you are exploiting that, Banner. And again, when we talk about the evolution of Hulk, we're going to have to talk about it in terms of him showing up in other people's movies because we don't have another Hulk standalone movie. But this movie, actually, this watch of this movie showed me he is, he is using the Hulk. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. <laughs> and without like going on and on and on about a movie that we have all seen a million times, I promise going forward, I'm going to talk, I'm going to uh, script a little bit more of what I want to say, because right now I'm just going off the top of my head. I have some, the little script that I had, I've read off, I'm going off the top of my head, but there were some excellent fight scenes when then when the shatari came through the uh the wormhole for lack of a better term uh when they came through the the fight scenes epic epic we found out the character of one tony stark we found out the leadership abilities of one uh steve rogers we learned the relationship between uh loki and thor would never we we thought it would never change because once again he goes over and he thinks that he can have this tender moment with his brother and his brother stabs him again you know so thor has a weak spot for loki we learned that in this movie for sure you know uh and he should that's his brother you know he should have a weak spot for 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 him as far as the mischief that he gets into um we just we learned a lot about the characters but here's one thing that i'm not gonna say about every team up movie but it will carry over so i'm, I'm saying this because i mean it going forward i don't it's not just for this movie the reason why I could never give a team up movie a perfect rating like I did. And I mean, one of these kind of team ups, not the Miles Morales kind of team up. I was able to give that Into the Spider-Verse a perfect rating because it checked off all the boxes. All the characters that were brought into and introduced into, into, into the Spider-Verse and they were main characters we got a perfect explanation of who they are where they're from how they got their powers there was there were we could tick that off for each one of those characters and in these team-up movies that are part of an intertwined connective universe we don't get that from movie to movie the directors the producers the actors 
they need for you to have kept up with what's going on. So uh, it's possible to go to the Avengers. If it was showing in theaters, it's possible to go to that movie and get some entertainment value out of it. But that's after you figure out who everybody is. And if you've never been introduced to Iron Man, Hulk, uh, uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, if you've never been introduced to these characters, you're going to be lost for a little, just a few minutes, maybe, maybe even half an hour in the beginning of the movie. And that's why it's not a complete movie. And that's why I can't give it a perfect score. So even Infinity War, if we can fast forward to that, even that movie was perfect in a whole lot of ways, but it's only perfect if you've seen the other 20-some movies. It's not perfect for a person who just walked in off the street and saw it. They might feel like it's a good movie. It's not a perfect movie to them because there are so many characters that they have to try to then now, without being introduced, figure out who they are and how they how they factor into it. And that's what happens with in the beginning with Avengers. Uh, we watched those of us who watched all of the standalone movies. We watched those standalone movies. We got our introductions then. Marvel is not wasting time at the beginning of each movie trying to reintroduce you to each character because if they did that, movies would be five hours long because there are so many characters that are coming, going, recurring, uh, just in the post-credit scenes. Oh, this person, you know, didn't show up for three, three more movies. These types of things have to, uh, you have to figure them out on the fly in a team up movie or even a movie that is in one of these interconnected universes uh justice league was the same way if you had no clue who cyborg and uh flash and aquaman was in that movie you would you you better try to follow along and uh get your context clues up because they don't have time to try to to introduce you to each character and give you backstory and all that that's why I felt like they should have done that first but that's just me going back to Avengers because they did do it first but that they are not specifically just saying and, and the only people that we were trying to to impress are the people that came to see the other movies they always want to grow their audience they always want a, a new fresh unique set of people come into the movies being introduced to their characters not just to pad their pockets but because they know they have an intertwined interconnected universe so if we hook them on this movie they'll come back for the next movie even if i only go for the team-ups your team-up movies uh in in marvel started to become a little bit bigger so we ended up getting uh avengers age of ultron then we got Captain America uh, Civil War, which was an unexpected team-up movie. And then we got uh, Infinity War, which, you know, we knew that was going to be a team-up. But look at look at the amount of times now. If I get a person who only wants to go to see team-up team movies, they're going to go see those three movies. You, you still are speaking to uh, all different demographics, all different kinds of people in your constituency. You want 
all the money, basically. <laughs> I want all the money. So if I can just appeal to this person and that person and this person and that person, these movies are designed to do uh, to provide that that type of entertainment. But if you're looking for a complete movie, taking a hero's journey or something like that for every movie, you're not going to get it in no team up movie. It's just not going to happen. And I'm and I guess from the way that I prefaced that, did you know on my scale from one to five, the only thing that I found wrong with this movie is that um, that you will not get your hand held and I don't need my hand held. You don't need your hand held. But there is somebody who is new to these movies and this movie is not going to it's not going to resonate as well with them because they they just it's too many people to try to keep up with i can't i just can't keep them but there's too many people they all running why are they running you, you get what i'm saying so uh 4.5 out of 5 real close 9 out of 10 real 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 close to perfect it's just that uh a, a person who is green to it all would would never be able to understand what's going on they would never be able to keep up so what do you think do you agree with my assessment that you know that might be the only hitch to these movies if you do let me know uh you can catch up with me now we're getting into the business you can catch up with me at after the snap at gmail.com and let me know again how you felt about uh, the my my lab, my final assessment of the movie. Also, you can come over to uh, Facebook after the snap, join the group Snap Survivors, and get in on get in on all these conversations that we have because it's a blast. A lot of times we're, we're just having a great time with each other and uh, picking each other's brains. And I like to ask really loaded loaded questions so join us on facebook you can also catch me on uh twitter at snap after you can catch me on instagram at after the snap 2018 if you like to become a patron of the show and send me to the movies and help upgrade equipment etc etc patreon.com slash after the snap is where you can do that um, we have tiers as low as $1 a month all the way up to $20 a month. You pick your plan. If you are not interested in becoming a monthly uh, patron, but you would like to make a one-time donation, I would really appreciate it. And you can do that at paypal.me M-E, slash after the snap. So paypal.me slash after the snap last i think last little bit of business before i get into the other part of my begging i've started the youtube channel and initially the first uh, few videos that i'm posting here i've been working on that pretty much half the day here today um initially my first videos that will be up will just be episodes of the podcast embedded with a picture so if you want to go and just give me the views on uh youtube it is after the snap on youtube as well 
Um, so if you want to help me out by getting my views up and liking the video, maybe subscribing to the channel, or maybe if there's somebody that you know that won't listen to a podcast like this, but will watch just a, a, a picture with some with some words going you know the captions going across if they'll watch that on youtube tell them about the show tell them about the show what the heck um our next watch party uh episode is going to be about iron man 3 that is next week friday but before we get to friday we have to get to november i'm sorry oh god november january 1st 2019 in january 1st 2019 happens to be the day before my birthday but that's neither here nor there it's also a day of an episode and we are going to be kicking out an episode that is a look back at 2018 and a look ahead to 2019 let me know what you guys are looking forward to if you come over to the facebook page i'm going to put another post up that says what are you looking forward to for 2019 and i'm going to share some of what you guys are looking forward to in 2019 on my uh next episode and it doesn't have to be after the snap related doesn't have to be sci-fi related what are you trying to do uh because one thing that i do know is that if we tell somebody about it we become a little more accountable so what are you trying to accomplish in 2019 you can email me after the snap at gmail.com or you can come to one of my social platforms and let me know and i'll try to share some of those in my next episode so i, I told you about the youtube channel do that go over there to youtube let me know what's going on you can even put it under one of those videos what you what are your what are you looking forward to for 2019 and because i have really not a lot else I would like to thank you once again for joining me on another episode of After the Snap. I love my Snap Survivors. Um, I didn't tell you guys about the store, but you know what? Next video, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little video on the on the After the Snap page with my my cup. I'm gonna sip my tea and we're gonna talk. But since I have nothing else. I appreciate you guys joining me for yet another episode of After the Snap, and I will catch you on the flip. <laughs>